Welcome to Spark.Grow, a series of conversations on topics that are critical to companies and people that want to grow, scale, and maintain their performance. Spark.Grow is brought to you by Ann Arbor Spark and hosted by Dave Haviland, founder of Fimation based in Ann Arbor. This conversation was recorded in the podcast studios of the Ann Arbor District Library. Now we'll turn it over to Dave Haviland for this conversation. Uh, welcome. This is Dave Haviland with the Spark.Grow podcast. We are in the new podcast room of the Ann Arbor District Library, and it is beautiful. So if you haven't checked it out uh, and you have any audiovisual needs that you want to um, uh, upgrade, um, you should definitely uh, uh, see it and, uh, and use it um, because it's available and it's beautiful. And I'm joined today with Ben Lorenz uh, of Human Element. Welcome, Ben. How you doing? <laughs> Good. Uh, let's see, where should we start? Um, I'm going to say, let's start with your company and then we'll work to kind of what your journey has been. So tell sure. us a little bit about Human Element. So Human Element is a, is a software development company here in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, it's, it's been what, 16 years now, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a lifetime in our world, <laughs> you know? Uh, and so we've grown to, we're just up over 50 right now with, nice. um, and we do some, uh, we have some uh, people that consult with us on top of that. Mm-hmm. So the, the company kind of grows and, and scales back as needed. But uh, you know, it's been about 16 years and we provide software development services for companies that are doing e-commerce um, online. Uh, that's a simple way to put it. Um, there's a lot that goes into that at, at the level that we do it at. We, we focus primarily on B2B businesses, mm. but also work with um, B2C mm. businesses. Uh, and what was the genesis? Um, <laughs> well, I started at a, at a company here in Ann Arbor called Fry okay. Multimedia, yeah. is what it was called back in the day. Mm-hmm. And you know, for, for the people in this area who, who are part of that family, they know what that, that means. Like we, we started before the dot-com boom, yeah. and we did probably three or four of the the Fortune 10 e-commerce websites wow. in the world wow. at the time. And so we got a real good education on what not to do yeah. <laughs> um, over, the, over that time period. Uh, and so I was, I think I was employee number 50, and we were up to over 200 by the time I um, yeah. exited um, and so we learned a lot, you know, and, and, and after that experience, I swore that I would never work 80 hours a week again. And, um, I took a job making, you know, a lot less money and worked about 40 hours a week and I was bored to death. Okay. And so, uh, got to thinking that, you know, I might like to get back into that again and do it, do it the way I wanted to do it. Mm. And, uh, my friend, Jason, who I went to high school with and have been in a band with uh-huh. ever, ever since we were in high school. Um, we were both in, you know, the, the software industry still. And I just floated this idea of what if we just do this lifestyle company where we just do consulting and it'll be really low key. And, you know, it yeah. didn't, it didn't stay that way for long. <laughs> we, we grew it and grew it and grew it. And so, so what's the balance now? Is there a, is there still a lifestyle feel or element at all to it or? Yeah, the name of the company isn't necessarily lip service. You know, uh, we we do a lot of things very strategically to maintain a work-life balance. Mm. Um, one of the things we do is we have, I mean, some companies call it a, a utilization scorecard, but ours sort of works in two different ways. You know, one is, you know, are we working enough hours to maintain our, our, our billings, right? Like. Yeah. 
can we do that? But also are do you know there's sort of a limiter on the top of that like are you working more mm -hmm. than what you should work to have a balanced life and so we monitor that pretty consistently That's on a weekly neat. basis actually to make sure that we're not you know killing our employees to do the job that we do yeah uh, especially uh, around this time I, I know a number of companies that are uh, asking a lot from their employees um, it's hard today i think you know like everybody else, we went to a work from home situation. And I think when you're attached to your devices all the time mm -hmm. and you're in your space and that's where you're doing your work, like the tendency is to, to check email and you know, I'll just yeah. see what's going on here at, you know, nine o'clock at night and, and respond or do like, you're sort of always working and having free time and there it gets threaded into your life a little bit. And, and we really urge people to try to draw a good line. Mm you know, turn it off. Yeah. Like yeah. it's time, you know, don't send an email on Saturday evening, you know, while you're watching Game of Thrones or uh -huh. something. Like, <laughs> just don't do that. <laughs> so, um, so that's uh, nice to hear about the company journey. And then you've, you've, you've kind of teased a little bit about your journey, but is there anything you didn't, you didn't talk about that's, that's useful to know about Gosh. where you've, where you've been and where you're headed? Uh, well, Jason McGee is my business partner. And like I said, we were in a band ever since we were kids. Yeah. You know, we recorded our first record in Jason's basement on a four-track cassette recorder <laughs> and continued on from there. We, we played in the Ann Arbor area for the longest time together. Mm -hmm. And music was a big part of our lives. Mm -hmm. You know, I went, I have a minor in music mm -hmm. and my dad's a musician. And, you know, Jason and I have played together, made 15 record albums together wow. probably. Um, and so we kept that in our lives. And so he and I started a passion project on, on the side. That's a company called Willis Sound out in Willis, Michigan. And it's a full-on uh, recording studio. Hmm. It built into a church. And so we use that sometimes for, for human element, actually. To, <laughs> yeah, say we need some content created yeah. or, or something recorded, we'll, we'll go do that there. That's really neat. Um, and so that, I don't know, is has sort of been a touchstone for us in terms of like let's remember why we're doing this work hmm. is so that we can have these passion projects and things that that everybody in the company is really interested in you know like your work is not your life you know you go live your life and bring some of that excitement and passion back to to what we're doing you know um is so, so has um has music and your experience there influenced uh you know, how you've been in business or, oh, or how, or your yeah. leadership style? Absolutely. I mean, probably even more than maybe we recognize sometimes. Mm. If you think about a, uh, I'm really into jazz uh, music. And so if you think about a jazz ensemble, um, you know, you're really working together as a group and as a team to produce a product that's pleasing to somebody's ears. And in that journey, that group is allowing individuals in that group to stand out, possibly take a solo, right? Or then when you're done taking your solo, you step back and support the other people in the ensemble to make their piece of the music. And so there's give and take, mm -hmm. and that there's, there's communication without speaking. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we've really organized our company and our teams in a similar way. Hmm. Um, we use what's called a co-leadership model where at the top of you know, each practice group, essentially, there are two leaders hmm. instead of just one. Mm -hmm. And then they 
sort of perform functions in tandem together um, to do their job. And then those teams all get together and do planning together, you know, kind of like an ensemble would get together mm-hmm. and practice. They, they have structured meetings, they get together and they do this thing and um, make the plan for their team together. What's your, um, I, I don't know enough about music to know, but what's the, what's the underlying bass beat um, from a management perspective that you use from a meetings and, you know, how, how it, do you? So, so we're, we run loosely on um, Gino Wickman's book, uh, Traction, mm-hmm. if you're familiar with that. Um, and so from a, a strategic plan perspective, we put together uh, we have a quarterly pulse basically. So, um, every quarter we get together and we work on our strategic plan. And then once a year we go away and put together the yearly plan. Mm -hmm. And so we have a 10 year goal. We have a three year goal. We have a one year goal. And then we have quarterly goals in the, in the book traction, they call them rocks, but Mm -hmm. in our world, you know, we call them goals. Um, are there, have there been times when that, when that cadence, uh, that, that process has not worked? Oh. when you've had to deviate from it? <laughs> Absolutely, yes. I, I assume those are interesting times. Yeah, so. I, I think the one of the things Gino says early on in the book is, you know, it doesn't really matter what system you're using. It's just that you need to pick a system and then sort of stick to it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when I was in uh, school, I really didn't pay attention to these things like... Uh, you know, a mission statement and all these kind of things. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that was important, right? And like what I realized um, after a time is that in order to organize a big group of people or an, an ensemble, if you will, mm-hmm. um, and have them march to the same beat, you know, using your your kind of description of it is is you have to have some of those things that sort of weave a thread through your day to day. And so it took us a minute to realize that and when we did and we put this VTO together vision traction organizer is what it's called um, it contains your mission statement it contains you know what makes you unique um, it, tain- it contains like your core values and what those are um, and then it contains your goals and where you're headed and once everybody's aligned in that same direction they start moving that way um, whether they like to or not almost <laughs> and, and and for us too for the leaders too we're like sort of pointed in that direction mm. and so there have been times when we've gotten away from it as as a group um and and willingly so uh we coined the term pivoting mm-hmm. <laughs> because sometimes we'll set a goal at the beginning of the quarter and COVID happens yeah. <laughs> right yeah. well that threw out the entire plan <laughs> and so all right we've got to pivot now to you know address these technological issues to continue work and all that kind of stuff and just the nature of it lends itself to being really flexible yeah you know so you can get off track for a quarter generally but we're able to dial it in the next quarter pretty well and is there overlap between these um processes that you have internally and how you manage uh the work with customers too oh yeah um one of the things so to kind of put our business in perspective for you, you know, we work, you know, with companies like Ford on, on the top end, you know, billion dollar companies. Uh, another company is called Watsco. They're, they handle like heating and cooling for mm. like the better part of the world. Mm. Um, all the way down to, you know, smaller, smaller companies um, where, you know, maybe they're under a million dollars. And so, 
it's a pretty wide kind of bandwidth yeah. of you know different styles of companies, different, but overwhelmingly so. Each one of them needs a, a strategic, technical, or technology plan for the year, you know, that they're following, yeah. kind of like we do our VTO. And so we have our account managers and project managers work with each client to get together once a year, put together that strategic plan, mm-hmm. and then sort of stay on pace throughout the right. year as their needs change, you know, pivoting. Yeah, yeah. And are there, um, as, as you're doing that either for 2022 or did for 2021, are there any, any themes that are emerging kind of across your client base? Uh, well, yeah. Uh, I mean, the obvious, right? Uh, I need to sell online. Um, (laughs) that sort of, you know, hit everybody right over the head, you know, for, for companies that were thinking about making a digital transformation, um, they were like, oh my gosh, Hmm. I have no sales channel right now and I have no distribution channel, Hmm. right? Uh, for the companies who were a little bit more mature and maybe had an e-commerce presence, you know, they were like, well, we have no distribution channel. Hmm. What are we going to do? There's nobody in the building. Hmm. Um, and so we're seeing a lot of sort of planning uh, from companies around that kind of stuff. Okay. We're like, hey, we got to get online quickly. We got to have that sync up with maybe a couple different warehouses um, so that we have the ability to to keep this business running because we aren't sure what might happen in the future. So what part of what you just described do you handle? I mean, do you get into like finding the warehouses and, and those kinds of things? or are Generally at our level, um, when we arrive at a client, um, they've already made a lot of those choices. Um, sometimes we get into the situation where we're evaluating all of their technology stack and what could be done, what, what's possible, mm-hmm. and then we make recommendations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we offer that consulting type service. But generally, we're fitting into um, a workflow or a technology plan that they've already laid out. And so oftentimes, distribution, logistics, and stuff is sort of decided on. But the integration of that system to their online ordering system or their e-commerce system is generally not defined super well. And, Mm. And what that means is, you know, when I order something online that order flows down into an ERP system or enterprise resource planning system and decrements inventory. Right. And it puts the you know invoice into that system. And then the ERP system tells the e-commerce system that, hey, uh, you know, I've shipped this thing. And then the email system sends an email out to that customer with an order confirmation. And, and it all works nicely and seamless to the end user, mm-hmm. right? A lot of people, or, or a lot of companies, like, uh, rather, is that you know they don't have that system set up to where it's seamless, okay. you know. And what's expected on the end user is that everyone works as as flawlessly as Amazon does, right? You know, <laughs> that, that the 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 digital IQ of the end user has shot up about right. fifty points in the last eighteen months. You know, they're just like this is how I'm used to doing things now. And my expectation is that all these things happen when I purchase online. Yeah, And that's flowing over into our B2B customers where there's younger people in purchasing departments. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, we're not calling up a salesperson anymore and having a relationship and a conversation. It's, 
it's all done through a yeah. web a web interface. Yeah. And so we provide that level of of understanding and then we do all the the implementation. So then has has um the the strategic agenda of your customers has has changed somewhat or focused. Um has your personal leadership agenda uh, for the business um, shifted over the last 12 and 18 months? I mean, I think so. Uh, we do, once a year, we do sort of this measurement of our culture, right? And so we have like a survey that we send around and we had been like achieving like in our our four quadrants or whatever, like the highest scores, you know, our evaluation companies seen for an organization. You're doing really well in these areas and these are, and so then COVID hit and like our worry was, well, the culture is the thing that kind of keeps employees grounded, keeps them feeling um, like they're at the place that they want to be, you know? And so our big fear was, well, that's going to change because now we're not all in the same place, you know, laughing around the the water cooler, you right. know. And so we've had to do some things strategically to to bring what we felt was the human element to like working at home. Yeah. And yeah. so we uh we do a weekly stand up with the entire company uh for a half an hour and then once a month we do what's called a town hall where uh, we kind of do the state of the company. So we're an open book company, and then we share where we're at against our goals with everybody in the company. Um, we they, they get to see the finances and what our goals were, where we're at, how we're hitting them. And then we talk about all the special projects and client successes and things that we got going on. And so we're trying to make sure that um, people really have a sense of ownership and an awareness of of the heartbeat of the company. Are those different than you had before? Did you not do the town hall or the stand-up? We did them. Um, we had never done them um, over a Zoom meeting. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, we did them, uh, but we've had to refine a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, like, you know, sometimes like they have a, it, there's a little chat in Zoom, you know, and so <laughs> you'll see the comments <laughs> of people going, I'm always watching that yeah, to like yeah. see what the side conversation is right. while this is going on. And you can really tell that the team is bonded mm. in this way, like where they'll even kind of poke fun at the stuff that we're mm -hmm. presenting. You know what I mean? Like I can tell that it's worked over time that they feel comfortable enough to be themselves. Nice. You know, and I, nice. I, I say this all the time to, to the people I work with is that, you know, this is the best group of, of talented individuals I've ever worked with and have uh, had the pleasure of, of being around yeah. I, every day I see because they have the, you know, the freedom to, to kind of be adults, right? Like we're not really a top down organization. It's, it's a pretty flat organization. Mm -hmm. And like our management style is you're an adult, I'm an adult. Right. Uh, we work together. Um, let's just do the thing. And I'm, if you're supposed to do something, yeah. then I can trust that you're going to do it. Absolutely. Right. There, there's really no, I mean, there's a couple things that, that we get concerned about. I mean, the simple math for a services company is we, we bill hours and then bill the clients those hours. And if we don't bill the hours and bill the client those hours, then we can't operate the company. And so really our kind of only rule is like we got to keep that machine going 
But other than that, you've got flexibility to go, you know, get educated about things that you're interested in, um, bring up, you know, projects that you think would make the company more efficient or more revenue, that kind of stuff. Um, even side projects that um, are sort of ancillary to what we do, you know, we support those as well. And so I think that more than anything, we've built, you know, kind of a, a learning organization in some ways. Um, and I think we'd also be our harshest critic is like, gosh, we don't do that enough, you know, <laughs> but for an outsider coming in, I think every time a new, a new person comes in and I have my first kind of chat with them, they're like, oh my God, this is not like anywhere I've been, you know, why isn't anybody telling me what to do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> <laughs> so the, um, I think, you know, that, that's a special environment. Uh, once you have the gravitational pull through the culture, through a certain number of people, um, that certainly helps to attract people to it. But there's also just the blocking and tackling of a hiring process. Yeah. So, so can you talk about how you manage the talent pipeline um, outside the company in and then maybe also within the company up? Yeah, I mean, it, it, to back out even a little further than that, you know, just in our industry, what's happened over the past couple of years maybe five, five to seven years actually is, uh, there's a couple competing platforms, uh, that merged with larger entities. Mm. And then we work on what's called the Magento platform, which has now been purchased by a larger entity, Adobe. And so Adobe over the last 12 to 18 months has rebranded it to mm. Adobe commerce. Mm -hmm. And now you're into this machine mm -hmm. of <laughs> software, right? Like Adobe is a, a machine, right? Yeah. And, so it takes a pretty special developer with a pretty particular skill set to work in this platform. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's based on PHP, but really it's its own brand mm -hmm. of understanding, right? And so you can't just go like pick up some Magento devs yeah. off you know, <laughs> the side of the street. And right. like, hey, you can do PHP, you can do Magento. That is not a real thing. Yeah. And so, um, because of all this consolidation, what's happened is a lot of big companies have swooped up a lot of talent. Mm. And then what happens is eventually those people decide really where they want to work. Is this the environment where yeah. I want to be? Yeah. And so once they're spun up into this big thing, if they don't like that, they're looking for the place to land. Mm -hmm. um, you talked about being a magnet. I think human element is a magnet for people that want to work a certain way. Mm. Um, and that has, has, has been a good thing for us in terms of hiring. You know, right. the words on the street that like you can work remote and you can have a really good work-life balance with a company like us. Um, that said, the first phase of this was there's a fair amount of people that want to do this. They're high level folks that are the best at what they do. Human element has them working with us. Now we're entering this next phase of our growth where to really get beyond our 50, 60 people, um, we have to transition a little bit more into a learning organization where we're bringing in some people and training them up. Um, because frankly, the the best ones, they just don't exist out there yeah. for the amount of work that's out there. You know? And um, how do you, so I'm, I'm, just, I'm hearing you, um, you know, recognizing that you're, where you've been is not where you're going and, and that you're yeah. coming up with a new formula. How do you educate yourself, um, learn about 
what the journey is going to be like um, for the next two years, five years, whatever? Well, when I started, um, you know, well, we'll go way back for a second. When I started, I was a drummer. Yeah. <laughs> and I really thought that, like, that's what I was going to be. You know what I mean? And then I realized the economics of being a musician and I owned a rusty van that had a drum set in it. Mm -hmm. and that was all I owned. And I kept driving back to my mom's house and sleeping there at night, you know. And, yeah. uh, and I learned from that experience that, you know, I needed to shift and change and, and got out of that, you know, still kept it in my, my rear view mirror and all that kind of stuff. And I still play, but, uh, you know, when we started human element, the idea was, well, we'll just keep it small and tight and run it the way that we like. And then it graduated to, you know, 10 people and then 15 and then 20. And then, then I realized that my skill level as, uh, you know, one of the owners was, you know, kind of, a working as you know somebody in the business right mm -hmm. like I, I worked um you know i did client work i was an account manager i still did sales i still did all this so not really a leader yeah, kind of I, I, yeah but i didn't have to be a leader because uh -huh. we hired all adults right yeah. like and everybody just did the thing and we could go have beers after work and it was cool you know well now we're bigger and I'm not needed to do that client stuff as much anymore. I can still dip down there and have awareness of it. Um, but what I've had to learn about is, you know, organizational structure and, you know, managing a culture and um, higher level type organizational things um, that, that frankly, I, I never thought I'd need yeah. to need to know. And, and how do you, you learn know? about those? Um, so, I have a lot of friends in in the the industry still. In fact, uh, Dave Fry from Fry, yeah. I'll go have lunch with him every couple months and be like, Dave, I just, <laughs> I'm so sorry that I was so critical of you when I was a young man. <laughs> and he just laughs, you know. Yeah, it's nice. And, and so, you know, he talks about milestones that they hit when certain things needed to happen. Um, we have a very, very good legal team uh, with Bodman here in town. Um, I was advised to to get a good banking relationship with the Bank of Ann Arbor, and we, you know, we couldn't do what we do without their backing. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, through those relationships, there's been a lot of mentoring for for our team. I've learned a lot about mm -hmm. you know what to do and what not to do, and and what I found is you know there's really not a great manual. You know, right. even going to you know business school or something like that, you know, there's the the blocking and tackling of like, here's how accounting works and mm -hmm. these, these things. But when you're on the street, like really running something, um, it's very difficult to learn without doing, mm -hmm. without, without doing it, yep. you know? And so if, if you get to this level, right, like you make it past your first year, right? Well, right. You, phew, that's better than most, you know, like make it past <laughs> the year three, you're like, whoa, good job. You're at year 16. There's, there's some, a certain sense of inertia that's mm -hmm. occurred and it's tough to look back and be like, God, all these lessons, you know, <laughs> like I feel in some ways everything, uh, you know, that, that got us here was based off of like mistakes. Uh -huh. <laughs> I mean, there's been a lot of good work that's happened, but a lot of my stuff is like, well, I tried that once and it didn't work out too well. <laughs> Let's do it this other way and see if we can, you know, beat the odds. So, so what's the hardest part of your job, um, at this point? Uh, 
Oof, boy, hardest part, I think, is balancing um, probably balancing that culture and, and the work-life balance hmm. stuff. You know, it's hard for just me. I'll just speak for myself. It's hard for me to turn it off sometimes. Mm. Um, you know, it'll be 8 o'clock at night. And I'm like, oh, what's going on with this, you know, Slack channel? <laughs> it's like <laughs> on my phone. It's on my yeah, everything, you know. Yeah. And so it's hard for me to to look away and, and just relax. Um, that's been been tough. I think from a just a business perspective with the changes that have happened in the last 18 mm-hmm. months, um, working from home and trying to motivate a large team of, you know, adults, right, that yeah. are all struggling, yeah. right, is difficult. And, and really, like, in our world, when, when COVID hit, and a lot of our peers and friends were not working, like the threat of something occurring to them was, was pretty big. In our world, we were like twice as busy. Mm-hmm. Like none of us got a break. Mm-hmm. And so like in the middle of it, when it, like lots of people are struggling, not working, everybody needed e-commerce services because yeah. everybody was trying yeah. to get online. And so we're like pulling our hair out of our heads. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. this is yeah. crazy, you know? COVID created all these interesting microclimates that yeah. could be very divergent. Yeah, um, yeah, I so agree. That's, that's interesting. And, and and adapting to that was, I think, in the last 18 months, probably our biggest challenge. Yeah. Do you, um, how d- does, or how does having co-leaders help with those kinds of environments where, um, you know, where you're making it up as you go? And Yeah, uh, for me, um, I think I'm in a unique position in the fact that, you know, my 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 co-leader is is Jason McGee, and I've known him since we were 15. Yeah. Right. Um, we have gotten most of our arguments out of the way about you know, this and that or mm-hmm. whatever. Like, and we know each other pretty well to the point where, um, Sometimes I'm just like, man, I can't deal with that. He's like, I, I can deal with that. Okay. You know, but we don't even need to say that. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. I think that that's the thing that I like about the co-leadership model and wish that a, a lot more companies were able to do because sometimes your brain space is just like, you're done, right? Yeah. And if you're a top-down leader, you know, you might make a bad call or something like that and you just got to roll with it because right. <laughs> you did it. In, in my situation, I, there's a lot of feedback, you know, and you can kind of go to that person, work the idea out, you know, beat it to death, as we'll say, um, and then come away with something that's been somewhat vetted uh, before it, um, before it, you know, gets to the rest of the class. Yeah. I think um, that's just a, a huge benefit yeah, to it. That makes sense. And we try to, you know, show that, sort of push pull yin mm-hmm. yang whatever you want to you want to call it um to the rest of you know the people at the company because um we feel it works really well and then when we see others doing it we're like oh yes yeah there's there's definitely a school of thought in leadership that says um i need to have it all figure out and then i need to present this kind of all packaged up view of what's happening. Yeah. And and what I'm hearing you describe is 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 much messier than that. And it's oh. like, 
here we're gonna we're gonna actually expose you to the you know all the different complexity that we're dealing with and yeah um so uh yeah um, i think of it like if you were in a balloon race like you're just you got you blow up a tiny balloon <laughs> and you're trying to push it to the end of you know the room and you're just batting it from left to right. Yeah, that's yeah. what I feel like. That's, I love that. Our day is like, or yeah. our, our, our year is like, you know. <laughs> but when you're good at that, being able to sort of roll with the minutia of little changes and you right. know adjustments and that kind of stuff, at the end of the day, it proves out that people are happier. I think. Yeah. You, know, you don't have to get stuck in in a bad choice. Have you had to go through any significant? Um, uh, like organizational changes such that you actually thought we need to do change management here? You know, you're changing all the time, but, oh, we need not the Department of Change Management, but, but you know, we need to kind of formalize something to, to make this successful. Yeah, actually, uh, so when Agile became like the big thing, mm. right? Like we're like, oh gosh, let's do this. And then everybody started doing Agile projects, but in secret, they were really waterfall projects. <laughs> 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 like, Here's this scrum board, but I'm like, hey, that looks like all the steps that we did in Waterfall. <laughs> That's awesome. And so um, that sort of time frame when we went from sort of a Waterfall managed company to a little more agile-like or scrum or mm. whatever you want to call it, um, that was a big shift for us. And so we went through a whole process reorg oh. um we we put a team on it uh we spent a lot of internal r&d to like formalize it uh -huh. and, and how we're going to do it um we documented it in confluence and then we found a way to train on it new people came in and yeah. all that kind of stuff and and what we've been doing since since we rolled it out we like had a we were switching like project management tools we went from one system to like jira or something like mm -hmm. that and at that time, we're like, okay, now we're switching all this stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that was a big shift for us. What we saw is we became a lot more um, profitable as a result mm -hmm. of these changes. Our clients were happier because they were able to see changes faster. Mm -hmm. um, we would get stuck in these kind of longer development cycles where you design something right. and then, you know, you'd build it and go away and the client wouldn't talk to you for a couple of weeks and then you'd be like ta-da mm -hmm. and they'd be like but our requirements changed already yeah you know it's been like three weeks and we're like oh darn it <laughs> and so now we're iterating a lot faster yeah. you know and even on our own process we're we're probably making three four little tweaks a week yeah, yeah. you know even now you know do you have an innovation process do you have an in innovation uh, initiative or effort that's separate it sounds like you're an incredibly innovative company learning organization yeah, but yeah. but do you separate do you think about it uh, in that way yeah we uh our director of strategy Sabra bander good friend of mine she um she did a presentation on this a couple years ago about uh she's gonna probably kill me if i get this wrong but it's <laughs> like understanding um the what before the why or okay. the, you know the why before the what the why before the what yeah, yeah sorry yeah she is gonna kill me now. <laughs> but but essentially behind a, our decision making, we sort of go through that process of really identifying um, why we're doing this, yeah. you know, and, and what the outcome should be, right? And, and getting that up front. Yeah. Um, 
I even put together what we call it the, the internal requirements document. So if you've got a project that you want to work on, you have to spell out like these five little questions, oh. you know, before you even propose the and, process. And those questions are less about what's going to happen and more about um, the context, the goals, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, and really forcing uh, the team to think through their idea before mm. presenting it. Mm -hmm. I have, I you know, I say I'm a habitual idea mm -hmm. <laughs> comer-upper. <laughs> like, I come up with these ideas all the time, and I'm like, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? Jason is generally the recipient of, of this. <laughs> and, you know, 95% of the ideas are just half-baked and not great. Yeah. And once you talk them out and realize, oh, that's just never going to work, right? But that 5%, that, yeah. that come out of it really have some legs. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to get to yeah. with something like a requirements document. Get somebody to walk through the steps, um, figure out the goals, what the outcome should be, what the benefit to the organization is going to be at the end, either revenue or efficiency in some way. Do um, you look at those at your quarterly strategy meeting? Like what's the forum so to evaluate? We have a weekly uh, <laughs> level 10 meeting with yeah. the leadership team. And so anybody in the organization can submit one of those to their mm -hmm. manager and then we'll review them. Um, so about a year ago, somebody came up with this idea. It was a very grand idea. Um, DevOps is one of the, mm -hmm. the big, big problems in, in our industry right now because everybody's work from home. Mm -hmm. And you need a lot of DevOps support yeah. to do that, right? And so it was good timing, but... Uh, the team was like, boy, every time we get a new developer in, we got to spin up development environments and they need a really expensive computer to do that and all this. And, you know, by the time we're done, every time a development environment gets created, it's five, 10 hours maybe of DevOps time. Mm -hmm. And that person's sitting on the bench while we do it. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, it's, it's just, it's like, you know, 15, 20% of overhead on, on everything we do, you know? And they're like, what if we could automate it? And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you and everybody else wants to figure that out, you know. Well, they did. Wow. Um, and so we internally built a product uh, that in one click that can build their entire development environment. Wow. takes about two minutes, puts it out in the Amazon cloud and all the supporting stuff that they need to basically get developing. Um, and so we're now productizing this thing. And this really came from an idea by, by one of the team members yeah, because yeah. – they were just tired of doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so we've invested a lot in, into making that happen. But, you know, that's just one example of like how it's really changing the face of our company. And so now out of all of our developers, if you ever need to work on another project, you go into Workspace Manager, you hit this button. Yeah. It creates your development environment. It's not even on your local anymore. So I can use a, a cheaper right. computer for, for developers. And it's out in the cloud and I can just develop and then when you're done with it that thing gets destroyed and it's just saved and when you want to reboot it it just hit a button wow it's back up and so now we go from you know maybe 10 percent, 15 percent overhead we gain all that back to go you know opportunity cost to go do something else yeah yeah that's cool and that's just one idea i mean but that's right. transformed our entire delivery process yeah have you uh are you familiar with the term ideaphoria i am not it's what you have or what you're strong in. It's oh. uh, the ability to create ideas. Oh, wow. And there's an organization that actually tests for ideaphoria. And Ooh. you can figure out if you're in the, you're probably in the 95th or 99th percentile of 
people that create ideas. Is there a so vaccination for it? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we've got it really bad. <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah, it's um, whatever those uh, you know execution implementation oriented people. Yes. that's the that's the uh, the natural vaccination for it. It takes a minute for <laughs> new people when they come on to like get up to speed with that yeah, yeah. you know they're like well, you wanted my ideas and like, yeah man that's that's why you're here <laughs> like ideas you know to make it better you know always look for a better way is one of our core values and so that really comes out you know like all the time yeah. in fact sometimes we gotta like throttle it back we're like hey we can't spend the entire time making it better yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got to do some work <laughs> because in software um you know, there's a right way to do things and then there's a fast way to do things. Mm. And, you know, mm. we always want to lean towards the right thing to do, but sometimes the right thing to do is actually do it fast. Yeah. You know, yeah. does should it take us three months to do something or should it take us a month to do something? And what is the opportunity cost that occurs because right. we chose one way or the right. other, you know? And so it's a lot of question asking um, mm. and a lot of sort of like finger in the wind, like, hey, you know, if we crank this out, that gives you the ability to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. You're, you're waiting on it. But if we did it right, you could scale this differently in the future. And would that be helpful to you? And so we try to put that in the client's hands and say, you know, give them the options before we do something. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's a big difference between what Human Element does and a lot of other companies is development agencies traditionally will say, well, you tell us what the requirements are and we'll just go build it. Right, right. We're not like that. We're like, you tell us what you want to do and we'll give you like three ways to solve that. <laughs> yeah. You know, Love one, that. the cheap way, the middle way, right. and the expensive way. Right. And they're all going to have different, you know, outcomes. Yeah, and, and trade-offs, benefits and Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes the, the fast way is right. Well, we've got to get, we got we to make sure that nobody beats us to market or something right. like that. You know, like, well, then that's important and we'll figure the rest out later. But sometimes it, it's just, doing the plan and, and, and working it out and, and building something really complex. Yeah. And we do all of those things, but I think the important part is we give them the options. Of, yeah. As, um, do you have any special programs or anything like that that you um, work with high potential staff on? Um, yeah. Our whole staff is pretty high potential, <laughs> I would say. Um, I mean, we have a pretty significant Magento certification program. Um, and it's not a, a full-on requirement that our entire team is certified, but most of them are. I think per capita, we have the most uh, Adobe certifications <laughs> in out of all the Adobe wow. partners. Um, I think it was something like 55 yeah. is what we have. Wow. Um, and so that's that's quite a few. Yeah. Um, and in fact, that certification is very difficult to attain <laughs> um, because it's really like down into the minutia of how the code works. And so you can't, it's not really something, I mean, you can study for it, right? but um, it's pretty detail oriented. Yeah. Uh, well, and there is a school of thought that says uh, the best development work is working on really interesting projects with interesting people yeah. and... Um, it sounds to me like that's probably um, uh, the bulk of uh, of the benefit of the experience. I think so. I mean, sometimes, you know, 
we've got we we have developers there that are like, man, I've I've outgrown Magento, mm. and then some problem will arise yeah. that they've never <laughs> encountered, and they get really interested again. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. it's it's a it's an evolving uh, system. So, is there the equivalent of what you just described for you in running the business? Oh, of just sort of like the combination of I kind of got it, and then running into you know, something that you haven't had to. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we're, we as a leadership team, you know, there's a group of us that um, we call it the leadership team, but um, we're constantly, I mean, on a daily basis, encountering things where either our process doesn't work or uh, there's a people something or there's a client something that we're solving um and we're constantly like taking that balloon down to the end of the room just batting <laughs> it left and right mm. like and sometimes having to bat it up uh like that is our our leadership team in a nutshell like yeah. they are uh highly highly uh qualified and what was the word you used the <laughs> idea for you yeah, yeah. <laughs> like every one of them yeah, is neat. is is like that so how big is the leadership team we are, I think we're seven. I have to count it. Yeah. And uh, what what qualifies somebody to be on the leadership team? So um, we, it's been, it's largely been, um, these are the people who've been here the longest in a lot of cases um, that were there at the beginning and sort of grew up mm-hmm. with with the company we have a a lot of people who've been with us you know five seven eight years kind of thing i mean our director of sales um i think has been with us the shortest amount of time on the leadership team and that's five years yeah wow Um, yeah and so they've sort of seen it all um many of them grew up from being project managers to account managers to then you know being invited into the leadership team for mm. a couple of weeks and then eventually sitting on that team. And as we grew, we needed to like make sure we had people in those seats that understood our culture and our methodology. Yeah. Like it's difficult to just like, you know, throw somebody from business school into yeah. yeah. the way that we do it yeah. because they're like, but, but this is what I, you know, this is what I was taught. And yeah. like, hey, take a breath, you know, like see that this works. Um, and recently we've had some consultants come in and, you know, take a look at how we're doing, doing things. And they're like convinced now they're like, man, that's amazing. <laughs> you guys, you know, and that's so great. It, that's, that felt good. Yeah. That's really good neat. to hear that. I have a few last questions, yeah. but before I go there, um, is there anything we haven't talked about that you are interested in talking about? Oh gosh. Just a completely open-ended question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say this, I, I think as, as we, as human element gets ready to go into its sort of next phase, you know, like we've been through the, hey, we're 10 to 15 employees, we're 25 to, to 50. Well, now we're over 50 and we're, we're, we're moving up mm. into this next, you know, 70, 100 right. type range. And we're trying to do this in Michigan and Ann Arbor. I think the thing that I'm most concerned with right now is, is how to become an organization that is able to build talent from within. Yeah. And so, um, you know, 
and and this really goes for other companies too that are experiencing this. There is sort of a talent deficit in this area right now where let's say you're a, a middle tier, tier one or tier two supplier and you've decided to move your business online. You know, try to go hire an e-com director right, right now. Like, right. That's not going to happen. You're going to have to make one. And if you try to make one, generally the people that you know in the manufacturing world, yeah. like they're not going to be one. Yeah. You know, and so even in our space where we know a lot of highly technical people, um, they're all doing what we do already. And so I think my, you know, my biggest hope and concern, especially, you know, being a, in Michigan is that we're able to help contribute to building a talent pool here that is highly technical. I think we have, a, you know, an incredibly intelligent population yeah. around here. Yeah. There's no shortage of, of smart people. Um, but I find that, that we want more of them, hmm. you know, and I, I think that's, that's the biggest challenge I see right now is like building. Are you at a place where you're going to try to um, punch the button and then have it uh, build yeah. up a person uh, just oh, like God. you do the design environment? God, that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if humans would like that. something. Yeah, right. <laughs> well. But I do think that, you know, that's the opportunity I see. And, and I think other companies are going to have see this need too is for this kind of level of technical training. Yeah. Um, you know, if there's like a technical IQ class or something, right, like right. you could start teaching it and 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 build up that that resource yeah. with, within the state. You know, it'd be really nice. This is neat. We've covered the stuff I was hoping to. So let me ask, um, how how is business or leadership, whatever, however you want to take that, um, how how is it most like drumming, and then how is it most not like drumming? <laughs> well. Um, I get exposed to a lot of companies, right? Um, and so, so when I was young, I, I, I toured the kind of tri-state area as a drummer. Um, and so I got exposed to a lot of bands yeah. as well. And so I could walk into a room and I could tell you whether that drummer was a drummer, like could really play the drums yeah. or was just really well rehearsed. Like there's a oh, difference, you know what I mean? Yeah. Whether like their heart and passion was mm -hmm. in it or whether they just practiced really mm -hmm. hard and could do the thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that same sort of insight holds true for businesses. I love that. I'll come into a business and I can tell whether like their heart and passion is in it like right away or they're mired down in like political crap and, you know, they're just right. getting in their own way, right. you know, right. or like... A myriad of reasons, right? But like, and most of our team can do this too. They can walk into a room and assess it like in a second. Yeah, You know, and we walk out of there and our first thing isn't like, you know, talking about the problem, you know, the technical thing. It's like, this is going to be hard because of these personnel issues or this vibe that I got or yeah. this thing. It's yeah. like, it's a much more human way to approach kind of problem solving. Right. And I think that um, that sort of insight has followed me, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's really neat. Yeah. Um, that is certainly sufficient as an answer, but it, is there a way that it's most different? Boy, most different? Like different than playing? Then, yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I don't, I, 
I've always wanted like the there's this feeling you get when you're rocking and there's, you know, a ton of people like we used to pack the blind pigs, sell, uh-huh. sell it out, you know, and you'd, you'd walk in and you knew that line was for you and like get up and, you know, just a sea of people. Like <laughs> there's no feeling like getting off that stage and, yeah. and hearing people be really happy with what you've been able to do with yeah. them, you yeah. know? Um, yeah, that makes sense. There's not necessarily an equivalent in, in running the company, I think in a lot of ways, um, as one of the owners, that uh, euphoria isn't experienced in the same way. Yeah, yeah. Like your team is never like, woo, yeah. you are doing the best <laughs> job, sir. You know, like that just, that doesn't occur. Yeah. Um, it's, it's more like it, it comes in a much softer yeah. sort of long tail way. Yeah. Like, Hey, you've been around for 16 years. <laughs> Pretty good job, <laughs> you know. So it took a minute. <laughs> I really like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so then let let's finish up with um, you know what you're most excited about, what you're most optimistic about for the next year, uh, and then whatever har- farther horizon is, uh, whether that's five years or a decade or something. Yeah, I mean the next next year, I think we're still uh, my my sector of the business, you know, e-com is, is really going to continue to grow. There's not enough good service providers in our system to do what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I think that's only just going to grow leaps and bounds. I think we got another five to eight year window mm. where we're still sort of like reaching the top of the, yeah. the bell curve a yeah. little bit. Um, and then we're going to get into a more mature space where okay we're all doing it now yeah, yeah. and what's next yeah. right like you know we've got amazon and walmart getting into the distribution game in like a real big way mm. where they're opening up their you know distribution facilities to other companies to integrate with their e-commerce platforms and be like hey now you got a, yeah. a distribution facility in you know 27 locations but you need software to support that and we can offer that to you um and so we're starting to see some of that and then you're going to see the the pushback from you know people are like i am not going to be part of some yeah. you know you know big conglomerate that's like taking a piece off the top you yeah know? like yeah. and so right. you're, we're going to see that push pull oh, over the next 10 years yeah. i think in a big way um and i think we're going to see some things that we don't expect you know mm-hmm. customers maybe um in some ways are coming back around to well, I'm going to use Amazon for these kind of disposable, like quick things that just show up right. to my house. But right. for real things, I'm going to a local store that yeah. I want to support. Yeah, and we're starting to see that. Good, you know. I mean, I think that's, that's my, good. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. Now, I will say, I, I love ordering groceries online, and that's yeah. great. Yeah. But I really wish that I could do that from Sparrow. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Right. So. Um, terrific. So again, anything we didn't cover that uh, that you still um, think we should? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think I think that's pretty good. You Excellent. know, we've been happy with the the support that, that Spark offers, and nice. we think it's a, a a wonderful wonderful thing to have here. Um, and just thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, you know? good to have you. So uh, Ben Lorenz of Human Element. Um, so where can people buy your albums? Oh gosh, we're <laughs> <laughs> if. So I've been in a couple bands, but um, one of them is called the Restroom Poets. That okay. was like way back in the day. Yeah. We sound like you know, 
uh, some grunge-esque okay. kind of uh, type thing. <laughs> and then uh, I was in a band called The Cross Lines, and I was also in a band called The October Babies. Yeah. I'm not in that band anymore, but uh, that can all be found on you know Spotify nice. or okay. Apple Music or all those kind of things. And then um, what's the website for people that want to know more about Human Element? Oh, it's human-element.com. Sounds good. And uh, yeah, you can find out all about us there. And uh, I wish you could stop by the office these days. Yeah, but, right. uh, <laughs> we're we're spread out now. So. We'll get we'll um, we'll get back to some of that anyway yeah, at some point. I think so. Thanks a lot, Ben. Yeah, thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Spark That Grow, a podcast series brought to you by Ann Arbor Spark. To learn more about Spark, visit annarborusa.org. And thank you to the Ann Arbor District Library as our recording partner. You can learn more about their resources at aadl.org.